from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Broken up from behind, intended for Milano. Two on one for Vegas. Marcia so on the left. Will Smith got it to him. He scores! Nicholas Wong! is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard out at Studio 31. Lindsey Brown inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... It is over. The 82-game schedule has been completed in the National Hockey League for the Vegas Golden Knights, and they have completed a 51-22-9 mark. And uh, they qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs by way of first in the Western Conference and first in the Pacific. Uh, What about that ride? Uh, It's been a great ride. It's been a fantastic 82-game campaign for the Golden Knights, and they have managed to go from a team that last year injuries catch up you missed the playoffs for the first time in franchise history you followed that up with another division title that's three in six seasons and number one spot in the western conference what a response from this golden knights team darren are you there buddy i am here I'm just getting a massive echo uh, as I talk, and uh, nobody loves to hear me more than myself, but uh, in echo fashion, it is a little bit uh, disconcerting in that side of it. Uh, They went uh, with this uh, 51-win season and accomplished a bunch and overcame some adversity with the uh, injuries and a new coaching staff at the start of the season, new system, uh, grew along and found a way to close this out, coming back from the first non-playoff team. performance in in team history a year ago and bounce back in significant fashion. Uh, There's a lot to get to today. We'll hear from Bruce Cassidy uh, regarding his postgame comments from last night. Uh, Jeff Sharples, former National Hockey League defenseman, is going to pop by, Las Vegas resident. Uh, He's a big follower of the NHL. He's been on the uh, TV side uh, a couple of times. Uh, We'll bring him in for his thoughts. Nobody watches uh, more games who's somebody that's not in the media than Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff Sharples. I know that because he's always texting me uh, during the course of uh, uh, of our uh, various uh, nights where we're in front of the TV or we're watching the Golden Knights uh, at T-Mobile and uh, and taking in these games. So he's got some interesting comments. He's also a good buddy uh, of uh, a couple of people in Winnipeg, so he's got the lowdown on mm. the Jets in this first-round series that will take place against the Winnipeg Jets starting on Tuesday at T-Mobile. Uh, the, the, the avenue to get to uh, the conversation today uh, really does start at the end. And with 10 games to go, it was a great battle between Los Angeles and Edmonton and Vegas Mm -hmm. for first in the Pacific and first in the Western Conference. We played around with some numbers there in in what the Golden Knights might have to do in that final 10. Uh, I threw out uh, things like uh, 9-1, 8-2 along that uh, that side of it. Just because things were going so 
crazy for Los Angeles, which had uh, been racking up uh, what would be a 12-game uh, point streak, a franchise record, and then the Edmonton Oilers uh, making the run. I thought we'd revisit that uh, now in what led to this dramatic win uh, with uh, with another banner that uh, will be raised at T-Mobile Arena. Vegas went 6-1-3 and three hmm. down the stretch yeah. in those in those final 10 games. Ends up being 15 points out of 20, a 750 points percentage, but only one regulation loss in those final 10 games. That's pretty spectacular. Yeah, it really is. For the Golden Knights, they obviously had to continue to maintain um, their their lead at the top of the division. And with what the Oilers were able to do in winning their final nine games of the year and that still not being enough to overtake the Vegas Golden Knights because Vegas just had that one regulation loss and kept pulling points and kept pulling points and kept pulling points. That was massive for this Golden Knights team. And, you know, they finished the season um, about as well as you possibly can by being able to hold off and fend off one of the hottest teams in the league in the Edmonton Oilers. So at the start of the year, we have our hopes, our wishes, our expectations of the Vegas Golden Knights. On Monday... I want to know from people, I'm just planting this seed right now because mm-hmm. we open up the phone lines every Monday. Uh, I want to know from the people uh, what was answered as far as expectations, what surprised you uh, when you looked at uh, stories that came out of nowhere, and what were some of your wishes uh, that uh, that you watched throughout the year and, and you were counting on uh, coming to fruition. And I'd love to get those three uh, things attached. Uh, to, to set the stage on that, though, uh, when you talk about expectations, Ryan, mm-hmm. your expectations, your wishes going into this year, uh, where where were you in, in the form of uh, things in the middle that could sway this team? Uh, when you reflect on the start of the season, to what you saw through the 82 games and clinching a Pacific Division title. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I was wrong about where I envisioned the Golden Knights going this season. I thought that they would be a playoff team, but I did not envision the Golden Knights coming back and winning the division. I, I just didn't see that for them. I thought there were a lot of questions, obviously, to be answered, especially when you have Mark Stone going into the season, not necessarily sure how long it's going to take him to get back up to speed. There were always you know, kind of the the injury issues, what happens if this team goes through something similar to what they had. You didn't have your number one goaltender in Robin Leonard to start the year and for the entirety of the year. The injury kind of question marks surrounding Loren Brossois when he might be back and available and ready to go. So there were unknowns in goal for the goal, for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, uh, you know, you bring in a new coach in Bruce Cassidy, you never really know how long it's going to take everything to come together and gel. But as far as my expectations were, I, I thought the Golden Knights were were two three seed in the Pacific Division, and it's clear I, I underestimated what this team could do this season. They surpassed the expectations I had for them. So, how did they do that? Um, depth, I think <laughs> depth and and buying into Bruce Cassidy. Like to to me, that's kind of what it boils down to. When when the Golden Knights have. You know all the goal, all the goal scores in in terms of Michael Amadio, sixteen goals, Chandler Stevenson, sixteen goals, William Carlson, sixteen goals, and then you start to titrate up from there. The fact that they do not have a thirty goal scorer this year, but finish at the top of of the division, signifies that they got contributions on a night to night basis from everybody up and down their lineup, and five goaltenders deep. So to to me, if I'm going to sum it up, how did they do it? They had depth, and they had better depth than a lot of other teams, and that's why they're at the the position that they are. 
depth is different than consistency, although sometimes they can be the exact same. They didn't have consistency within the lineup this year because of moving parts and, right. and injuries that uh, in, impacted what Bruce Cassidy was able to put together and, and really uh, forced the coaching staff to get creative with the combinations up front. Uh, they had depth on the blue line, which gave them some jump at times. They certainly had depth on, in goal. Uh, consistency with their performance. Uh, we, we saw a great start, a lull, find themselves uh, like there's a couple of months that were the best ever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then a couple of months that were on the other side of it but they so the consistency wasn't there month to month but the the depth was able to rise to, to the forefront and then management made some uh, really critical decisions uh, at the trade deadline uh, when you talk about uh, dominating performances you didn't get one up front. You mm-hmm. got it from everybody. Uh, you, it's funny uh, because that, that is depth. The, the blue line was as advertised and absolutely delivered uh, on every part of it. Uh, in goal, you could argue that Vegas got the best goaltending performance in the Western Conference. That's challenged by the likes of Los Angeles with Phoenix Copley. That's challenged by the the Minnesota Wild and and their tandem. That's challenged by the Dallas Stars and Jake Ottinger and Scott Wedgwood uh, when he was healthy. Mm -hmm. And certainly uh, Stuart Skinner uh, was uh, a revelation for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I'll I'll give some, some... some tug uh, with with that uh, conversation about the best goaltending performance, but the the goaltending performance that overachieved the most based on expectations or question marks coming in was the Vegas Golden Knights league wide. Uh, of the thirty two teams, no goaltending department, and it was with those five guys <laughs> that uh, that won games, answered the question more emphatically than the Vegas Golden Knights, which I think, based on Hill and Logan Thompson Mm. in the first 45 games, made the most difference. A lot of people are going to focus on Mm post-All-Star. When Logan went down, Aiden got hurt, Quick came in, Lauren came up. Uh, and uh, you, you have uh, uh, the uh, recall from, from Henderson and uh, Yuri Patera uh, being put in there and, and winning games. That, that's sensational in what happened. But the real work in calming things happened with Logan and Aiden in the first half of the year, and that allowed this team to find its footing. Uh, along the way. So I, I don't want to uh, – it looks like Lauren and, and Jonathan are going to be the, the tandem to start the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it uh, it would be uh, real disrespectful to overlook what the, the foundation and, and allowing this group to get comfortable uh, knowing that there is a big question mark uh, with the goaltending coming in, what Thompson and Hill were able to do. And I think that led uh, a lot to the confidence that grew out of that. Yeah, recency bias will point us to what Loren Brossois done, what Jonathan Quick did since coming over from the Los and well, I'm sorry, from the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, to the Vegas Golden Knights. But I think you're right on the money in that we we should be kind of highlighting how much the the fingerprints of Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill are on this team and what they were able to accomplish this season. Logan Thompson was the guy 
and, and kind of established himself, went to an all-star game. It's no real coincidence that Logan Thompson, the swagger that he had, the ability to win games, the fact that the Golden Knights had that beautiful start out of the gate 13 and 2 in their first 15 games a lot of that predicated on their ability to get solid goaltending and that's the ask all season long from Bruce Cassidy make the saves you're supposed to make give us a chance to win night in and night out and Logan Thompson Aiden Hill they did that spectacularly early on in the season and the Golden Knights whoever's been in there have has given them that every single time and I think for the Golden Knights there haven't been too many goaltending performances this year where you look at it and you say you didn't get what you asked your goaltenders for and that part of it taking away the worries that everybody else could just do their job Mm -hmm. is a big part of the growth of this team when you you didn't change a ton you you had to to massage the goaltending because of injury because couple of guys that were there last year weren't weren't available at the start of the year uh, but the the blue line was very consistent you added a couple of pieces uh, up front and then there was the uh, the unknown of, of Mark Stone but the by and large part everybody came back was in there Paul Connor made the team Phil Kessel was was added to the team everybody else was trying to answer to the missed playoffs from a year ago mm-hmm. but they were able to answer to that by focusing on themselves. They didn't have to go out and do more by scoring more or checking better or uh, playing more minutes, uh, shortening the bench because your goaltending wasn't stable. It was stable from the start, and that is the foundation which this whole thing was built on. And it's funny how it ends in Game 82, in which you need a point, you go out and you pick up two, but you lock that 3-1 win down against the Seattle Kraken with a near-perfect third period Mm -hmm. uh, from a team perspective and an outstanding game from the goaltender, who didn't have to be brilliant, but he was really good, and that's three straight games to close this thing out where the Vegas Golden Knights only allow one goal, uh, emphasized by the 3-1 win of the Seattle Kraken. It's how you draw it up, I think, if you're Bruce Cassidy. Right? Like, you, you, you go out there, you get the job done in terms of what you need offensively, and you trust in your defense, and you trust in your goaltenders to make the saves they're supposed to make. And I thought for the Golden Knights, obviously... The game on Tuesday, shutting it down for the final 40 minutes against the Kraken, that was impressive. But to be able to go up to Seattle, win the Kraken, had a lot of jump in their step, largely keep things to the outside, trust in Loren Brossois to make the saves he's supposed to make, and you shut it down by virtue of a 3-1 victory and lock everything up. It was exactly what you're looking for if you're Bruce Cassidy going into the playoffs. And Brossois didn't just make the saves he was expected to make. He made a couple of extras. Yeah. Because they Seattle was better last night than they were uh, in the first uh, half of that home-and-home series. And not often are the Vegas Golden Knights net miners asked to be the game's first star Mm -hmm. or out-goaltend the other team by a wide margin. Match the other guy and be consistent with your saves. They leaned on Brassois more last night, and he ends the season with uh, out uh, any regulation losses, Mm -hmm. which, again, is another one of those. How do they do it? 
consistency, preparation, motivation. Uh, he's playing for for his future. Uh, he's trying to show everybody that uh, that he's worthy of this. He's healthy, uh, which go down the list from a year ago. How many players can we say that about that uh, that had the same type of a year because they were, they were healthy and and he steps in and and uh, delivers a performance that uh, that was. What seven wins and three others mm-hmm. uh, in in ten games? So fact of that, the the Golden Knights were six one and three in their last ten, and Lauren Brassois was seven zero oh, and three. They 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 go hand in hand, don't they? And yeah. but that that should give people more confidence. Certainly does me. Watching Brassois in a key game where he only need a point, but he locked it down with two. Got some help. Mm-hmm. But he made a couple of saves last night that were timely and were great. And in a night where they scored two goals without shots on net. And so they they got breaks, but then yeah. they also found ways to by their goaltender to make those breaks stand up, mm-hmm. uh, which which go hand in hand. Uh, it was uh, uh, an added on uh, impressive part of the game. Sure was. It was, again, one of those performances for the Golden Knights, which I think is kind of indicative of their year, right? There have been times where the Golden Knights have been able to win games when they haven't had their A game. And how have they done it? They've gotten goaltending performances in certain situations. They've worked hard for bounces in other situations. But it all kind of boils down to the same point, and that's that this Golden Knights team finds ways to win. And and it doesn't always look pretty. It's not always the easiest, but... They are a team that is able to stick around in games. They are a team that is able to make that extra play. And I think that's been the big difference is when there's been a play that's needed to be made, more often than not, the Golden Knights are the team that's making that play, and it's the difference in games. I, I don't know how they do it. I, I don't either. I watch, I watch them yeah. every night, and I watch them as closely as I possibly can, and I don't know how they do it. A, a coach like... Bruce Cassidy and Ryan Craig and mm-hmm. John Stevens, uh, Misha Donskov, uh, Sean Burke, they they can take that to another level. But it's extraordinary. And and I'm sure that there's people in the National Hockey League that are scratching their heads mm-hmm. to a far greater extent than even I am as, as to how this team is able to do it, uh, minus the, the explosive results that we see on other teams with 50 and 60 goals uh, scored in around the National Hockey League. Uh, uh, 100-point seasons litter the landscape in the National Hockey League. And this team doesn't have any of that. And they're comfortable in close games, and they're confident. They've got chemistry. They like each other, and they're able to produce these wins. Uh, it's it's something special. And uh, do, you, do you want the superstar? Yes. I would love to. The, the, the guy that goes out there and scores uh, 150 points or 100 points, you, you always yeah. want yeah. you always want that. I'm not, not discounting that uh, at all. But would uh, I also take the ability for a goal to occur offensively from, from the team that I'm cheering for on any given shift instead of 25 minutes a night from that superstar? Uh, there's, there's an argument to be made there that John Shannon did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think for the playoffs and and certainly for what the Golden Knights are kind of about to undertake, I I think you feel pretty comfortable and confident when you look at the amount of double-digit goal scorers that are on this Golden Knights team. You can have the best player in the world. You can have the best two players in the world. It doesn't necessarily guarantee you playoff success because you need more than just one or two guys that are going to be able to carry you through. Even if they are 
Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. The Edmonton Oilers are still going to need contributions down their lineup in order to win in the playoffs. And I think for the Golden Knights, you have a better opportunity going into a playoff series, a long playoff season, when you can trust that there's a guy or there are multiple guys capable on every single line to pick you up with the goal in the game that you need them to pick you up with. And I think that's, again, you, you talk about how have they done it. Depth has certainly been at the forefront of it for me and finding ways to win. I loved hearing Riley Smith talk about uh, the journey that this team went on uh, this year. Big strides from a year ago at this time to celebrating a Pacific Division title and number one seed in the Western Conference. Uh, And he mentioned they did it by committee. Uh, They took advantage uh, of opportunities. Alec Martinez just uh, was was so emphatic and enthused about the chemistry on this team that there's uh, that there's additions to this group uh, whether it's uh, younger players or, or veterans that came in that uh, that developed uh, a great bond within the group they can poke fun of, with each other mm-hmm. they can laugh with each other and it kept going back and healing Riley uh, who was there from year number one, and Alec, who's been here for the last couple of years, it did remind me of that expansion vibe and, and the togetherness of this team. And not quite uh, like Phil Kessel's not a misfit mm-hmm. in the sense of uh, he was available and you, you plucked him in an expansion draft, but he was available and he was the Iron Man, and he's got that misfit demeanor to him sure that 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 fit in perfectly paul cotter a happy-go-lucky guy that uh for a rookie uh has some some flashy skill but also fit in with the older group did not upset uh because veterans can push back uh when when uh inexperienced players or younger players uh voice uh voice their say in, in the locker room he was embraced uh with with his attitude and there was a whole bunch of that feeling uh, within this group this year, and uh, hearing those two veteran players mm-hmm. that have come into the organization at different times talk about the evolution uh, just took me back to a lot of uh, what we heard, saw, and uh, were able to see the result of in year number one. It sure feels like a team that just genuinely loves playing together, right? It feels like a team, and it looks like a team on the ice that that is willing to do whatever it takes to win. And you mentioned Alec Martinez, great walk-off interview uh, last night with with Dan Duva and Gary Lawless on on the broadcast. And you know, Alec kind of talked about you, you have a lot of character in the room, but you also have characters, right? You, yeah. you you know when to lighten the mood. You know when to push a guy here and there. You know how uh, you mentioned Paul Cotter, the likes of a, of a player like Paul Cotter, first year in the league, rookie season, and he is able to kind of fit in seamlessly and he is kind of a guy that everybody likes you bring him under your wing and you you have a little bit of fun with the rookie but at the same time you you recognize the importance that he has to your team and what type of energy he's bringing to the table and and if I could you know if you look at it I, I think that this is just a very synergistic team every single person every single personality in that locker room uh, kind of pushes to to be greater than the sum of their parts. And I think that there's a lot of parallels between this Golden Knights team and the one that we saw year one that that had a lot of of things to prove to the world, but also played for one another more than anything else. Well, we played uh, that uh, great clip a couple of weeks ago uh, from the Ashley Vice conversation on the day of a game 
where she was interviewing Alex Petrangelo uh, in the locker room. And he was getting chirped incessantly during that conversation by Alec Martinez. Mm -hmm. And and Petro just stopped the conversation and basically had to say, I can't, I can't do this with, with all this noise going, going on around me, laughing and joking and, yeah. and, and having some fun. So then Ashley went to Martinez and said, like, what's, what's this here with, with Petrangelo? He's like, well, he, he takes up all the space. He, and, and Ben Hutton chimes in and says, uh, yeah, he's got a locker just for his, for his gloves. And, <laughs> and they, were, they were all making fun of Petrangelo and all the space that he takes up in the dressing room. And Martinez going, yeah, great leader, oh, whatever. Uh, and, and that was on the day of a game uh, in an intense stretch drive. And uh, it's very seldom do you get to witness that mm -hmm. firsthand. There's a lot that happens behind the scenes with, uh, with a group, whether it's on the plane or uh, out for dinner or uh, in the dressing room when we're, we're not uh, permitted to be in there. We saw that firsthand, uh, all of that jocular uh, happenings uh, within that dressing room. Uh, Zach Whitecloud uh, it, it takes part in it uh, a lot as well. And, and I thought at that moment, like, that stood out to me with, with chemistry. And uh, there's a great book called Intangibles. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite book, a sports book uh, of all time. Oh, wow. Uh, and it deals with, and no offense to, to uh, John Shannon, because that book is factual, The uh, Evolve or Die. <laughs> that's a great book, too. Uh, that's a true story about yeah, good, uh, his, good his time. Good save there, Darren. Yeah. No, no, John, John, I love that part. But as far as, as a sports book, like, yeah. uh, like getting into the – the minutia of, of of teams and professional sports or athletics and uh, golf, tennis, uh, football, baseball. This, this this works. Intangibles is about chemistry. Is chemist does chemistry come about because you win, or does chemistry happen because you're close, and then it produces winning. So what comes first, winning and then chemistry, or chemistry and then winning? I, and, and it goes through it goes through a lot of examples. Actually, spends a lot of time discussing. Uh, and it's more baseball based, but okay. all the principles do line up with with other sports. It spends a lot of time talking about the San Francisco Giants and the great Giants teams with Barry Bonds and then Jeff Kent and that rumored divide between those two. Mm -hmm. and the rivalry between those two MVPs. Uh, and uh, how could it work? Did they win in spite of, of their relationship, or were they actually better behind the scenes than a lot of people uh, talked hmm. about? But, but the crux of the book and the uh, message is what, what happens first? What, what do you really need? Do you need to win? And then great chemistry. And you, you don't see championship teams – that don't talk about chemistry. Mm -hmm. they, they all have it. Uh, or is it the chemistry that leads to those championship teams, and that's why they talk about it, because the chemistry got them going. You can make an argument, honestly, mm -hmm. for both. Yeah. And, and this, the book, Intangibles, doesn't make a finalized declaration well, that's a of one or the other, but it presents it in a way that is fascinating. Yeah, and and Barry Bonds, whether you love him or hate him, and I'm not a fan, but.
but I loved it. he was so gracious with his time uh, for for this book and and talking about things that you'll look at him uh, in a, in a different light. Uh, it's it's really cool. And in in with this group, I would side with the chemistry led to winning. Mm-hmm. With, with this group, knowing that there wasn't a lot of turnover from last year, there was motivation led to winning. For sure, mm-hmm. but this this was a very and is a very tight team that I've been able to witness on the inside and the outside, uh, uh, b- both aspects of it, and how much they really do like each other and have fun away from the final buzzer uh, of a game, and I think that did have an impact on on th- with this particular group mm-hmm. being able to find it in training camp. And then carry it over to production uh, at the end of eighty-two games. You know, I, I think maybe the the greatest kind of indicator that it is chemistry first, then the winning comes is is maybe how the Golden Knights entered the bye week and the All Star break and how they came out of it. Right? I think for for this team, you, you never got the sense that even though things weren't going well, that anything was different or changing inside the locker room. And I think that's kind of one of those things where you know what you need. The, the team was able to kind of pull themselves out of it by virtue of, of a little bit of extra time off. And they hit the ground absolutely flying out of the gate when it came to the, the all-star break in the bye week and what they were able to do in going 22, four and five. It's really tough to kind of make that assertion because they didn't give us one of those situations where you had to see the chemistry grow and build when the winds started to grow and build. Uh, but I think that you might be onto something in that I, I think that regardless of whether or not the wins did or didn't come for the Golden Knights, this was a team that from start to finish is is as close as they are and got closer as the season went on because they do genuinely enjoy playing with one another and they felt like I think collectively they had something to prove. And that's not to say that the road trip going into the All-Star break mm-hmm. that uh, offered up uh, a couple of performances that they would have liked different results on, uh, a couple of performances that showed that they were really close to, to turning it around, that there wasn't frustration there. Sure. That there wasn't uh, a desire to uh, speed up this process, that they weren't ticked off in, in a couple of areas. There was that, which... I would hope that there would be uh, during the course uh, of a season of, of wanting to uh, be better, be more uh, in, in lockstep with the, with each other. And that, that all-star break couldn't have come at a better time. Sure. Yeah. When they got, they got healthy, they got a break and they came back refreshed, but the, the, chemistry and, and and they they went away either Hawaii or the East Coast uh, uh, Arizona they, they went away in groups uh, too which was also a big thing because uh, you could have saw uh, 20 different flights <laughs> going out sure, of that yeah. uh, the way things were, were were going into that all-star break with with the frustration of not just being able to break through because remember the, the the loss in Arizona mm-hmm. where you thought they're gonna turn around that happened uh, and then you were close against New Jersey. Uh, you didn't break through against the Rangers. Uh, you lost a game that you could have won against the New York Islanders on that stretch. You, you were There was frustration because you weren't able to turn the corner there. The corner occurred after you just took a deep breath, and that deep breath was the uh, the All-Star game. Uh, we got to take a break. Uh, want to bring you Bruce 
Cassidy and his reaction to last night's performance in locking down the Pacific Division and the number one seed in the Western Conference. We'll do that in the next segment. Uh, we've also got Jeff Sharples. He's going to stop by, and you're going to love him, uh, Ryan, because he is a firecracker, uh, and he will he will uh, just blitz you with all kinds of information wow. and enthusiasm uh, when he uh, joins us because uh, he listens every day and he loves to uh, uh, talk hockey. And we've also got a chance to enter and qualify for uh, tickets to game number two of the Vegas Golden Knights first-round playoff series mm. against the Winnipeg Jets. Yesterday, it was the first-round playoff series. Yep. Now we can say against the Winnipeg Jets, which means we should get a little bit into how these two teams match up, which we will uh, do as we go along as they get ready to open up the playoffs on Tuesday night at T-Mobile Arena. It's uh, the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. What's the most impressive part of the Vegas Golden Knights? As you sit here and you look at a team that finished first in the Western Conference and won the Pacific Division, Mm -hmm. pops into your head right away. And I ask you, the most impressive part of the Vegas Golden Knights, you can't use depth, okay? That's too broad of a summarization of this team. It's accurate, but it's just not specific enough. I need a little more detail in it. The fact that they were able to do all this without a 30-goal score. That is another way of saying depth, but you just use more words. That was very specific. That that was way, way more directed towards depth. It was very specific. You asked for a specific thing. What's the most impressive? That they were able to do this without a 30-goal score. 30 goals in the National Hockey League is a big thing. But nowadays, people are scoring 50 and 60 mm-hmm. and uh, with great regularity. I don't know how... It happened that they did it without a 30-goal score. Right. I talked to some people around the office. Quite impressive, right? And I talked to some people in the hockey world today who didn't even realize that was the case. Sure. You just assume that everybody's got a 40 guy. Everybody's got a guy pushing 50. Uh And then you look at the names and you go, Mark Stone, Riley Smith, um, Jack Eichel. Mm -hmm. You got to have a 30-goal score, right? Yeah. And 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 Mark Stone would have. Right. But it didn't get there by anybody. And no. you still have the success that you have. And this is this wasn't a team that got by playing a left wing lock and shutting you down and winning to nothing. This team loves to score and can score a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I I think that again, I I'm going to look at it and choose the the fact that they were able to do all this, finish first in the division, first in the conference without a 30 goal score. Mike Matteo, I think there are just four other players on the Golden Knights that had more goals this season than Michael Amadio. And Michael Amadio was a healthy scratch for 15 games. Right, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you, you know, you can you can not want it to keep coming back around at depth, but it, it's really the story of the year for the Golden Knights. And you know, you can you can talk about 
if you want to, like if you want to go a different direction with it, the fact that they were able to go 22-4-5 and five down the stretch with five goaltenders. It's ridiculous. Which speaks to another part of the growth of this team. Mm-hmm. And that is attention to detail. Sure. That's right up there with depth, with its vagueness. It's too vague, eh? But, but means something. Yeah. But the attention to detail and cleaning up the neutral zone and zone entries. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, never is in the National Hockey League. Uh, the NHL and hockey is an imperfect game. But if you can limit it or the situational turnovers where you don't turn it over when so-and-so's on the ice mm-hmm. or uh, who's on the ice for you, 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 can, you can limit the danger uh, aspect of it significantly. We saw some real progress out of the gate with this team. On, on on handling the puck and taking care of the puck. Right. And it slipped. And Bruce Cassidy was not shy about using the term, <laughs> it's a stubborn group. Yeah, yeah. And I know there's behind-the-scenes conversations about it, mm-hmm. one-on-one conversations, in-game conversations, and a lot of one-sided conversations <laughs> about the stubbornness. Yeah. But when you when you look at what happened and you you cited the numbers down down the stretch, what 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 were the what was the record? Twenty two four and five. Okay, then make it uh, a little bit more recent: six one and three. Sure. In in the final ten, to lock down both great records, you see a lot of ability to uh, put together a stretch of games, mm-hmm. positive stretch of games. And winning close games when you go through result by result. The one loss in the final 10 was that home game against the, the Edmonton Oilers. Sure. Uh, one-off. It, and and it's hard to say it's a one-off, but it was. They were 6-1-3. <laughs> it, it, it was a one-off. Sure. Their ability to grow and grasp and learn and adapt and and come around to the to the system and the approach that the, this coaching staff has put in place mm-hmm. it was a different system than they played previously both have merits they were successful uh, when they were healthy before they went deep in in the playoffs this was a very different system and required a group that had played one way for a long time mm-hmm. to adjust and it was wobbly at times sure there was pushback but when it really got down to it and things got serious in the post-All-Star break, they, that part of it jumps to, to my – the goaltenders was great. Uh, uh, finding ways to, uh, to gel with, with different players coming in at the trade deadline was amazing. Ivan Barbashev in particular. Uh, Jack, Jack Eichel, uh, I, I, I thought, uh, really grew uh, as a 200-foot player this year. We saw incredible uh, growth from him. Uh, there's there's individual accolades that that should be uh, acknowledged, but I was so impressed with this team getting it. Yeah, I, I think kind of buying in a, as hard as they did after the the bye week and the All Star break was was probably 
where you start to see the biggest strides, right? Like, cause you know, you're implementing a new system. You're implementing some of the things that you're looking for. And Bruce Cassidy even talked about at the beginning of the year, there are going to be phases to how well this is implemented and how quickly guys are going to be able to pick up everything and, and, and utilize that to their advantage. And then there are added layers to it. And when, you know, when you have those stretches of hockey where you're kind of resorting back to things you used to do or trying to make a play when it's not there, that stubbornness can creep in, and if it's not attached to results, I think it's a, it's a bit easier to kind of course correct and say these are the things you got to do to be successful. And I think for the Golden Knights down the stretch, um, you, you kind of distill it down to they didn't make a ton of mistakes twice. Like they didn't have those games where the mistakes were piling up or the plays, the the puck management wasn't coming back to bite them multiple times because if there was a mistake or whatever the case might have been, they corrected it pretty quickly within games. The the fact that they were to, able to kind of cut down on the lulls that they had in game certainly over the course of the season has has been a big part of that too. But I think for the Golden Knights, just they don't make a lot of mistakes and they don't beat themselves often. And and that speaks volumes about, you know, the way that Bruce Cassidy wants them to play. And when they buy into that, they're hard to beat. And how about this example? 7-0 and was the, was the final number. When they come off a loss on the road mm-hmm. to going home. Yeah. Now, they, they came off a couple of really tough road trips and had the expected lag coming home. But when they, when they stumbled and that... This team was able to answer to it mm-hmm. and didn't have those big sags. You you saw uh, in in the stretch drive, you saw the game against Edmonton and then the loss in extra time uh, in overtime against San Jose. That was the flat spot. Sure, yeah. Well, that was a that was a two game flat spot. Uh, Los Angeles went on a twelve game point streak mm-hmm. and then couldn't avoid the big dip. Yeah. That took them out of the, the running. Right. Vegas was able to limit the flat spot, which is just as important as the the winning of, of the games and putting together a nine-game streak, being able to get those points. They, they had three others in, in the final ten. That was the difference between finishing second in the Pacific and finishing on top of the division, getting that uh, banner, and winning the number one seed in the, in the Western Conference. Uh, really impressive. And now they get a chance to uh, enjoy it today, relax, exhale, mm-hmm. back at practice uh, tomorrow, team picture at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, they, uh, I'll get into that in, in hour number two because that's going to be fun too uh, with all the different uh, players that, uh, that have contributed to, to this year. Think about that. It's going to be a busy it, picture. Well, think about who sits in the front row. Yeah, I don't know. Like, oh, but Golly. but traditionally, who sits in the front row? Goaltenders. All right. How many goaltenders do you usually have? Well, generally two. Right. How many does this team have? Four. Yeah. Four guys. You don't. You don't like. Sometimes you put a couple at the back because they didn't contribute that much. Mm-hmm. There are four really important guys. Right. At the front, oh, I'll get into the, uh, the team picture. Sharples will have an opinion on that. Uh, Jeff Sharples coming up. You'll hear from Bruce Cassidy, plus our game rating uh, to come. And uh, news and notes from around the National Hockey League with one-timers in hour number two, plus an opportunity to qualify for a chance to win a couple of tickets to game number two. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. We've got a couple of chances to get you in to see the Vegas Golden Knights in their round one playoff series against the Winnipeg Jets. A couple of tickets uh, to see game number two, and we'll qualify you right now. So call 702-876-1340, and if you are caller number nine, you will instantly win a two-foot sub from Porta Subs, and just as importantly, along with the food, you're going to go into a draw for a couple of tickets to game two against the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, we will let you know in advance of that uh, whether you win the tickets. So a chance to get food and a chance to enter the draw to get the hottest ticket in town. Game number two for this uh, case uh, to see the Vegas Golden Knights against the Winnipeg Jets, 702-876-1340. It is caller number nine. Bruce Cassidy on locking down the Pacific Division and winning the number one seed in the Western Conference game rating. And a bunch of coaching decisions have been made in the National Hockey League. Some dismissals on the way to bring you up to date on. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.